Coming up on We Talk News this week, thanks to the ballot box, you could call the Ohio state number 24 as Ohio joins the list of legalized cannabis states in the U.S. But is the battle over in that state? Not if their state Senate president has his way, we have reaction. Plus, the U.S. Senate is paving the way to give access to prescriptions for medical cannabis at the VA hospital for our veterans. And a new Gallup poll claims that 70% of adults in the USA favor the legalization of cannabis, the largest percentage ever. And now there's a new study announced by the American Heart Association that concludes any smoking of cannabis products increases your chance of cardiac arrest or stroke. Plus, Robert Kennedy Jr., is running for president on a pro-cannabis legalization platform, and he released his first advertisement. We'll have that at Coast to Coast Cannabis Reports on We Talk News next. We are pro-cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of We Talk News, pro-cannabis media's weekly roundup of news from the cannabis industry. I'm the founder of pro-cannabis media, Jimmy Young in Massachusetts. Elena Pinto is off this week, but our Arizona correspondent, Karen Black, is standing by in Arizona. Karen? Thanks, Jimmy. I'm Karen Black in Arizona, but our lead story this week comes from the state of Ohio. Thanks to a special election this week, Ohio voters legalized the adult use and sale of cannabis. That means Ohio is now the 24th state to legalize cannabis. Now, some of the highlights of this ballot question were provisions for home grow, a two and a half ounce limit for possession, a 10% tax, and other provisions. Jimmy, you talked to a few people with the ties to Ohio about this recent development. That's right, Karen. The first one I talked to was our friend in Washington, D.C., Morgan Fox, the political director of Normal. He also has a personal reason for being excited about this development in Ohio. You know, as a native Ohioan who has had firsthand experience in the, uh, the criminal justice system related to uh, simple cannabis possession, um, and somebody who has been working in cannabis policy reform for 15 years now, uh, this has been a, a long time coming and definitely represents like a culmination of the effort of lots and lots of people over the years. Opponents within the state government worked really hard to try to keep the, uh, issue two off of the ballot entirely. And when they couldn't do that, they did everything they could to make sure that it was on an off year uh, special election, um, you know, really in order to try to ensure that it would lose. But the people of Ohio made their voices heard loud and clear. And now it's up to the uh, state legislature to follow the will of the people and actually implement uh, this initiative in the way that the, uh, the citizens of Ohio intended. Normal also released results of their latest Gallup poll with 70% of Americans supporting the legalization of cannabis. It's the highest percentage of approval in history. Considering that in 1969, it was only 12%. And those people were all at Woodstock. Anyway, we will go back now to Ohio. The other person from that state who is a friend of PCM is attorney Harry Bernstein, whose background is in the alcoholic beverage regulation world. Now, while this ballot question was approved by a majority of 58% people in Ohio, there will be a battle from that state's legislature to delay or even overturn the will of the people. Well, 
I won't I won't say it's a battle. What I will say it's forcing the legislature to do their job. My my opinion is if a legislator does its job correctly, they will create laws better than a direct democracy. I believe that. When the legislature fails to do its job, the direct democracy needs to step in and start the process. I don't think anybody associated with this process will say it's the ending point. I know a lot of people were celebrating on Facebook saying I 30 days I can buy legal weed and that's not the case. Well, if you have a medical card, that's the case. But that's not the case. The numbers I'm seeing even from current license holders who will get dispensary permits, adult use, they're talking 12 to 18 months. That's Harry Bernstein, an attorney from Ohio, and we all will keep you up to date on the developments in the newest state to see the benefits of this plant medicine. Next up is a story about the Senate passing a bill that will help our veterans, many of, of course go to the VA hospital in their area for care for a variety of health issues. Now, doctors from the VA can recommend or even prescribe the use of cannabis to combat PTSD, anxiety, depression, chronic pain, and other ailments that this plant has been effective in treating. Andrew Berenger has more from DC and a look at the Maryland and Virginia cannabis markets. I am Andrew Berenger with this week's DC's Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Now at the federal level, the Senate recently passed an amendment that would finally allow doctors at Veterans Affairs facilities to recommend medical cannabis to veterans in legal states. The provision was included in a key spending package approved 82 to 15. The amendment aims to ensure veterans have access to the full range of legal treatment options by preventing outdated laws from censoring doctor-patient discussions. While the House passed similar cannabis language in its own version of the VA spending bill, the wording differs slightly between both chambers. The issue may now head to a conference committee for reconciliation before being sent to the president. This is not the first time Congress has attempted to enact the policy change for veterans care. Now, if you remember, back in 2016, both the House and the Senate approved allowing VA doctors recommend cannabis only to see the provision stripped from the final law. Advocates argue that the restrictive VA guidance prohibiting cannabis recommendations harms veterans. This, when recent research shows, those using cannabis report improved quality of life and less prescription drug use. Lawmakers have expressed deep concern over the VA's stance, especially given its recommendation against cannabis for PTSD treatment. Veterans face too many obstacles to accessing the care they need and deserve. With over 30 states now legalizing cannabis for medical use, advocates say it's long past time to stop censoring doctor-patient conversations on legally available treatment options. We'll see if Congress finally enacts this change into law for the men and women who served. This Veterans Day, reach out to your local representatives and show your support. Now, in the Virginia news, Virginia, after failing to pass cannabis legislation last session, Virginia Democrats now have a second chance to establish a legal cannabis industry in the state. The Democrats regained control of both legislative chambers in last week's midterm elections on November 7th. Now, if you remember last year, 
lawmakers were unable to argue or agree on a framework for regulated adult use cannabis sales and production. But advocates are now optimistic that Democratic majorities in the House and the Senate will enable progress on a bill in the upcoming session. Virginia legalized simple possession and home cultivation in 2021, but has lagged behind other states in creating a commercial market. Now residents and businesses owners alike are looking for legislators to finally deliver on setting up licensed cultivation, processing, and retail. With election wins securing one-party control in Richmond, only time will tell to see what happens. Now finally in Maryland news, Maryland's adult use market continues reaching new heights while medical cannabis sales decline, but not by much. Total cannabis sales dipped slightly in October after setting a record in September, but retail sales alone hit their fourth consecutive month high since the adult use market opened in July. Licensed resellers sold about nearly $90 million in combined medical and adult use products. Adult use made up $55 million of that total, while medical hit its lowest point so far this year at $35 million. As more consumers switch to the newly legalized market, medical cannabis purchases keep dropping month to month. Meanwhile, flour remained the top seller, moving $55 million. Edibles, concentrates, and other products trailed right behind it. Since launching just four months ago, Maryland's adult-use cannabis sales have increased steadily each period, proving the massive revenue potential ahead for this state and others to come. Well, that will do it for the D.C. area report for this week. Once again, I am Andrew Berenger, reporting for We Talk News. When the state of Connecticut opened for adult-use sales this past year, regulators wanted to protect the inventory of the existing dispensaries, so they limited your total cannabis purchase to a quarter ounce. Guess what? They've doubled that to half an ounce now. Angie Seifert is a native of the Nutmeg State, and here's her weekly Connecticut Cannabis Report. Angie? I'm Angie Seifert from Skip Intro Advisors with the Connecticut Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Cannabis retailer Hire Collective opens third Connecticut store in New London. The retailer has previously opened stores in Killingly and Wilmington last month and planned to open a Hartford location later this month and will also open three more in early 2024. The new London store will employ 20 people and they will all be local. Since retail cannabis was legalized earlier this year, more than a dozen adult-use dispensaries have opened across the street with many more in the pipeline. Next, while the zoning board in Stamford considers approving an application that would bring a hybrid cannabis dispensary to Stamford's east side neighborhood, a lawsuit over a different proposed dispensary is still fresh in our minds. The zoning board recently approved a settlement with Sweet Spot, which sued after the board rejected the company's application for a special permit to operate a hybrid dispensary. And on Monday, the board held a public hearing on an application of the same kind of joint venture between Louis Vega, the CEO of cannabis company Natalis Botanicals, and private equity firm Merida Capital. They are looking to open a hybrid dispensary in a vacant building on East Main Street that was previously home to a drive-through grocery store. 
So the case is centered around parking. While there would be six spaces on site, including one handicap space and another 10 spaces, some of which will be used for employees, more spaces, okay, required by the zoning board, yet the town is worried about um, traffic, you know, blocking traffic. Finally, the former CEO of Plant, who now works for the Connecticut Department of Consumer Protection as the state's program manager for cannabis, is suing her past employer. It's now disclosed that three weeks after being hired by the state, she filed a lawsuit against Plant, alleging she was owed $375,000 in severance. That's the Connecticut Cannabis Report for the week. I'm Angie Seifert from Skip Intro Advisors, reporting for Weed Talk News. There's a perfect example this week of how different research studies conclude different results about the impact of cannabis smoking on the lungs. There were two non-published studies presented at the American Heart Association scientific sessions in Philadelphia this past week. One showed that older adults who smoke cannabis are more at risk for heart failure and stroke. Another one in Australia showed that young people ages 21 to 30 did not have diminished lung function after being a nine-year smoker of cannabis. So what the result of these two completely different studies shows is that researchers really still don't know the impact of lung function in young or older adults. They all agree, however, tobacco smoke is much worse. Now it's time for the Michigan Report with Amy Carter. I'm Amy Carter from Michigan Weedsters, and this is this week's Michigan Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Michiganders made it to the poll this week Voters on Tuesday decisively rejected plans to legalize marijuana sales for recreational use in four metro Detroit cities. The proposals were turned down in Kego Harbor, Rochester, Gross Point Park, and Birmingham. In other news, three cannabis dispensaries and Menominee were forced to close their doors. Higher Love, Loom, and Nirvana were shut down due to a court order from the 41st Circuit Court. The future of all three shops in Menominee were uncertain due to lawsuits over the number of adult cannabis licenses. The Michigan Cannabis Regulatory Agency said Wednesday that it is recalling a batch of cannabis-infused apple cider after receiving reports that the cans were bursting. Armada's cannabis company, Cannabis Apple Cider, was recalled for a lack of ingredient that helped the shelf life of the product. That is the Michigan Cannabis Report for this week. I'm Amy Carter with Michigan Weedsters for We Talk News. On the international scene, the annual Canex Business Expo in Montego Bay, Jamaica, wrapped up their trade show this past week. One of the big announcements that came out of that show was that Jamaica is issuing another 160 growing manufacturing and sales licenses. The Minister of Industry, Investment, and Commerce, Aubin Hill, was the one who made that announcement at the Expo. The Cannabis Licensing Authority in that country also issued five research and development licenses, another indication that Jamaica wants to be a player in the fledgling international cannabis market. Canada is already a leader in exports from that legal country, and Debbie Facey has an update from north of the border. Debbie? This is Debbie Facey, your Canadian correspondent with Weed Talk News with the Canadian Talk of the Week. So we have this week in Canada is the Ogun LP has closed its doors, 
which has affected 87 employees, which isn't as bad as some of the other LPs that have closed its doors, but is still unfortunate for those 87 workers. But hopefully they're able to find some employment within the industry. Next, what we have is that Constellation Brands that were had a contract with Canopy has now come to an end. And with that being said, also, there's no news whether or not they're going to be reinstating their contract. So that is another brand that is now off the Canopy's roster and unfortunately is going to make a decline when it comes to their profits. And last but not least, the biggest story that we have is the fact that Edison um, and Edison Jolts and Aurora's glitches have had a... I guess more of a inspection when it comes to their actual lodgings and their candies due to the fact that they had a higher percentage of 10 milligrams that they had stated on their packaging. With that, they have now taken them off the shelves, but there are consumers that are finding ways to be able to still gain the amount that they were looking for, which is a 25 milligram and plus through some of the capsules that are being sold on the market that do state that there's 10 milligrams within the bottle, but it doesn't state that there's 10 milligrams within each actual capsule, which that means the consumers are able to gain what they need, if not more. This is Debbie Facey with We Talk News, your Canadian Garden Spotter with this week's Canadian Talk. Peace. The Bay State Cannabis Report will be taking a week off. However, in New England on the weekend of November 11th and 12th at the DCU Center in Worcester, Massachusetts, it's the Harvest Cup, one of the area's largest shows and kind of a big competition if you happen to win this competition, the Harvest Cup is very, very prestigious and we want to wish everybody who's in the competition good luck. We'll have a special report on that event next week in the Bay State Cannabis Report. Now it's time for the Washington State Report. Here's Matthew Friedlander. Hello everyone, Matthew Friedlander coming to you with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. So I don't have much of a report for you here this week. It's been pretty slow on the cannabis front here in Washington but I do need to take the time to correct a mistake from my report last week. Uh, last week in my story, I did a report on a testing lab here in Washington that had its license suspended. I mistakenly named testing technologies as that lab, and that was incorrect. Testing technologies did not have their license suspended. The lab that did have its license suspended is True Northwest. So I do apologize for that mistake, and I will be doing better to ensure that I have the accurate information for these reports moving forward. So again, please accept my apologies, and I will see you next week for the Washington State Cannabis Report. But that's what I have for you this week. For Weed Talk News, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Next up is the impact of voters in Ohio on stock trading on Wall Street. Now, who better to check in on the impact of Ohio becoming the 24th legal state for adult use in the stock market than our own Doug Miller with his High on Wall Street report for this week. I'm Doug Miller from High on Wall Street with this week's cannabis stock report for Weed Talk News. Agrify Corp said that NASDAQ Stock Exchange has extended a stay on suspending the marijuana technology companies listing until after a formal hearing. 
Agrify was formally notified in October that it was out of compliance with NASDAQ listing rules because it was late filing several financial reports. Just because it was granted the extension, it does not guarantee that it will become compliant. So we will see what happens after this hearing. Let's see how this affected the stock chart. It's trading around $1.50 and this news could actually make it run. It was setting up. I would lock in my profits just like any other stock right now. And that's this week's Cannabis Stock Report reporting for Weed Talk News. I'm Doug Miller. Just in case you haven't heard, Robert Kennedy Jr. has announced a run for the presidency. He's running as an independent, and this week he released his first campaign ad outlining his stance on legalizing cannabis. Now you have to understand that Robert Kennedy Jr. has a neurological condition that impacts his vocal cords. It's called spasmodic dysphonia, and there is no cure. Still, his message is being heard, and it is very pro-cannabis. Here's his advertisement. My question to you is about marijuana. What are people in our jails in our country? Are people who are there for minor drug crimes, many of them for marijuana, which is now legal in many states. What I've advocated is that we should legalize marijuana. We should have a federal tax on the marijuana that is designated specifically for drug treatment and rehabilitation. And I want to build as part of my presidency um, a series of renewal centers, of detoxification, essentially, centers around this country to treat the rise in mental illness and PTSD and drug addiction that is debilitating our children. We lost 106,000 uh, kids last year uh, to overdoses in the opioid overdoses. That is double the number of kids that we lost during the 20-year Vietnam War. Um, we need to start healing our country in, in many ways. I think the best solution is to legalize it, make it possible for the cannabis distributors to actually uh, bank their profits and their revenues and not force them to keep them in mattresses, which encourages more crime, and then tax it robustly so that we can pay for these, uh, you know, for the addiction treatment for our children. If you like this video and you want to learn more about me and the movement that we're building, please go to Kennedy24.com. Hmm. Got to admit this, but his thoughts about tax money generated through cannabis sales to combat opioid addiction certainly makes sense, don't you think? I know one person who supports the overall legalization of cannabis is our own Missouri correspondent, Brandon Jones. He's educating while medicating. Brandon? Hey everybody, it's Brandon Jones with B Green Distribution with the Missouri Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. And that's right, staying medicated and educated is something that's very close to me. Plant medicine and cannabis is what got me off opioids after a horrible car wreck. And there's other ways that we can please stop taking these horrible drugs and find a different alternative. And yes, here in Missouri, we're seeing lots of different changes. Things are being recalled, if you noticed. Last week, I had to talk about that story. And yes, they're having more recalls going through all the different things. And the biggest thing is those people that are producing the products still don't know what the exact reason for those recalls are. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing shifts and moves on the product. We're seeing lots of different companies trying to come in and get into the state. As we saw, Takao's brand is launched here. We're seeing other big MSOs getting ready to come into the state. And then we've got Weed Wednesday. It's getting ready to go crazy. I've already seen all sorts of events getting ready to happen here in the Missouri and Kansas City area. 
Also, we got St. Louis is doing lots of things. And there's a brand new consumption lounge that opened in Nixa. If you don't know Nixa, it's a small town in Springfield, Missouri area. And I think I might be having to hit that up this weekend. Kind of right in between St. Louis uh, and Kansas City is one of the last spots to really take off. And they've got this great consumption lounge with outdoor athletic fields around it. And you know me, cannabis, athletics, I want to go check it out. So lots of big things happen in Missouri. Please come check us out. Stay medicated and educated. Very key. Brandon Jones with Be Green Distribution. Everybody have a great week. See you next time. Now that there are 24 states where adults can possess and consume cannabis legally, real economic factors can start to compare pricing in the industry. The price of an ounce is actually being broken down to its 28 grams, and it varies from state to state. Can you guess which state has the lowest price per gram? The highest? You won't have to guess once you hear Marianne Kursage's report from Oregon. I'm Marianne from Alibi with this week's Oregon Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Oregon made the news this week with the national study by Leafwell of the price of medical cannabis. Oregon's prices were listed as the cheapest. No surprise there. Leafwell found an average price of $6.91 per gram in Oregon, compared to the highest of New York at $23.17 a gram. Next, enforcement of unlicensed cannabis farms continues in Southern Oregon. This week, a raid on a farm in Cave Junction seized over 1,500 plants and 2,000 pounds of dried cannabis. The investigation is ongoing. A novel idea, a Utah-based startup has applied to offer insurance in Oregon to cover the cost of defending against a cannabis DUI charge. The lack of correlation between THC levels in the body and impairment has not prevented law enforcement from trying to convict cannabis users for DUI. This insurance product would help fund the defense of that charge. And finally, today marks the end of an era the last Oregon Cannabis Association meeting is tonight. The merger with Chow is a great step in having a stronger voice in Oregon. And we'll have an exciting future ahead. That's the Oregon Cannabis Report for this week. I'm Marianne with Alibi for Weed Talk News. Now it's time for the Arizona Cannabis Report for this week. Karen Black has a story on research being done at that state's universities, plus an injustice from the past. Here's Karen's Arizona Report. I'm Karen Black from Greenfinger Consulting with the Arizona Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. The use of cannabis in clinical settings is getting a lot of interest in the Grand Canyon State. AZCAN, an initiative launched by the University of Arizona earlier this year, is sponsoring training about the plant's medicinal uses. The first class took place November 9th. Demand was so high, they added a second session November 17th. The training is open to students in various colleges, including medicine, athletic training, and dental hygiene, among others, from U of A, Arizona State, and Northern Arizona University. It's great to see such interest in clinical cannabis, especially as the state's medical marijuana sales continue to decline month over month. Injustice over past marijuana convictions continues to be an issue in Arizona, along with many other states. The operator of Cookie's Dispensary in Tempe, Alicia Deals, recently launched an online petition to free her father from a Yuma prison. As we previously reported, Mr. Deals, a veteran, has already served 12 years of an 18-year sentence for cannabis-related charges. His punishment is harsher than others serving time for crimes involving loss of life 
and according to Ms. Deals, is an unfortunate example of how outdated laws and racial discrimination continue to plague the legal system. Anyone interested in signing the petition could go to change.org and search for Robert Deals, D-E-A-L-S. That's all for this week's Arizona Cannabis Report. I'm Karen Black from Greenfinger Consulting reporting for Weed Talk News. The harvest season continues in California, where the struggle to survive continues in the nation's number one cannabis market. Our native Californian is Lavana Vassa, and she tells us the story of one of the most recognizable brands leaving Beverly Hills. Here's Lavana's report. I'm Lavana Vassa from the Bay Sash, reporting for PCM with this week's California report for Weed Talk News. In California and nationwide, licensed cannabis businesses are known to pay almost double for most expenses, from professional expenses like legal, consulting, and accounting to operational expenses like insurance and rent. While many of these inflated costs are justified based on the risks being assumed within a still federally illegal market and, of course, the lack of safe banking, some inflated expenses are simply predatorial, and it can be difficult to decipher which is which. This past week, California-based, multinationally present cannabis brand Cookies closed its prominent Railroads Avenue store in Beverly Hills on the 7th of November. This comes after Cookies closed another one of their locations in Oklahoma earlier this year. Their founder, San Francisco-based rapper Burner, stated on his Instagram that Cookies, quote, tried our hardest, but we haven't been able to come to terms with our landlord whom apparently was asking for a significant rent increase, according to sources close to the situation and based on public rental listing comps. The official Cookies Instagram made a later announcement on their Instagram stating that their store would be, quote, moving locations. This news should come at no surprise because there has been for the past year or so an exodus of big cannabis businesses out of California marketplace, all of who left stating that the current state of business taxes and regulations around cannabis are unprofitable and unsustainable. And while the state seems to be keeping, keep blaming the black market for the struggling cannabis industry sales and investing heavily into enforcement, there seems to be a lack of comprehension around incubating a thriving cannabis economy, which is still taking shape in its fifth year of recreational sales. That's this week's California Cannabis Report. I'm Lavana Vassa for PCM, reporting for We Talk News. One thing that every lawmaker, advocate, and parent is concerned with is keeping kids safe from cannabis gummies. Yes, gummy edibles that look like candy is not a good idea to have around the house without a proper lockbox of some sort. In Oklahoma, there has been 260-odd incidents involving kids and 65% of those incidents that end up in the emergency room have all to do with edibles. The Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority is working on more specific packaging issues and regulations, patient education, and child-proof lockboxes. This all comes down to parents doing a better job of keeping their stash locked up too. That is also considered responsible use of this product, not just your own titration of these products. The injunction that's holding up the New York market's rollout is still in place at the time of this recording. It was supposed to be lifted earlier this week, but has not been. Pam Schmiel has the latest from the Big Apple. Pam? I'm Pam Schmiel with the New York Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. 
Today, we're joined by Hearst Jane, the CEO of Ananda Strategy. He's an expert on cannabis policy and is here to talk to us about the big win in Ohio last night, where voters chose to legalize marijuana in their state. Hirsch gives us his insights into what it could mean for the industry and moving forward. Thanks, Pam. And uh, it's great to be here. I wanted to get your um, expertise. Um, The cannabis industry is celebrating a big win today um, in Ohio, where the um, voters uh, chose to legalize marijuana. And Mm -hmm. um, since you're an expert on cannabis policy, would love to hear um, what you think it means uh, for the industry uh, and moving what the prospects are for moving forward. And yeah, as you mentioned, what happened in Ohio, um, you know, today was really exciting. And, and really, I think it's a historic turning point when it comes to cannabis policy in the United States. And I think it's really a historic point in this country's history. And I'll kind of lay out why. So, you know, the people of Ohio voted by a very healthy 57% margin to legalize adult use cannabis, right? So a big, robust margin. Uh, Ohio will be the 24th state to legalize adult use cannabis. So we're getting closer to that tipping point of 25, which is really exciting. Um, because Ohio is a big state of almost 12 million people as a result of, of this initiative. Now, for the first time in American history, a majority of Americans live in an adult use state. So 53% of Americans now live in a state that has legalized adult use cannabis. That is is uh, really exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, o- Ohio is a big state and it also borders a number of prohibition states like, you know, Pennsylvania, Indiana, West Virginia and Kentucky. So, you know, Ohio has really opened up the Midwest. So, that's part of the reason it's exciting. But really, I think the, the bigger reason, Pam, is Ohio, as we know, is a big red state. It is the bellwether red state in the United States, right? It's a state that we often look to in presidential contests. No Republican has ever won the White House without winning um, Ohio. And what we saw in this red state that's been getting redder, you know, in our lifetimes and in recent years, we saw that there were two issues on the ballot. One was abortion rights. And one was cannabis legalization. And in this big red state, both of these um, issues passed by 57 percent. And, you know, this is notable because it shows that even a conservative electorate views these two issues as as freedom issues. And again, just to underscore this, these got 57 percent of the vote. You know, Donald Trump got 53 percent of the vote when he won Ohio in in 2020. J.D. Vance, the new senator in Ohio, when he won his Senate race, he got 53 percent of the vote. So I think it really shows something about where you know, a conservative America is on cannabis. That's why it's exciting. And just to talk through a, a few of the details here, the initiative passed, you know, on November 7th, uh, home grow starts within 30 days. So very exciting. As of December 7th, 2024, home grow will be legal in Ohio, which is really transformative. Um, and adult use sales um, will are scheduled to start by September of 2024 at the latest. And so we have a relatively uh, speedy rollout. And, you know, when people next year are voting for president in the presidential elections in that swing state of Ohio, um, they'll have access to legal cannabis. And, and I think that's um, interesting. The, the last thing that I'll say about Ohio is there may be minor tweaks uh, to the law that was passed. One of the things about um, the, the, the statute that was initiated is that the Ohio legislature technically has the ability to modify parts of the initiative or even to repeal it. And so I bring this up because I think we'll see something very interesting in Ohio, which is actually quite common in our country, which is that you have a G- GOP supermajority at the at the legislative level um, that is a little bit out of touch, right, with their citizens because because of gerrymandering 
gerrymandering and other issues. And so you saw the people of Ohio express their opinion very clearly on these two issues. You do have a GOP supermajority that technically has the ability to even repeal the initiative, although people don't think they'll be so bold and that they'll probably, you know, just make some changes to tax revenue and, and product potency. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because I think it really crystallizes a, a, a sort of recurring fact of cannabis policy, which is that the people are at, in a different place than where their representatives are. And Ohio is a great example of how the people had their say. And, and now we'll see what the legislature does. I know that you've um, spoken about uh, Florida was um, voting to put um, uh, marijuana on their ballot. And I think that passed that they can put it on their ballot next year. And I think you believe that that's also a, a really big deal in the cannabis landscape of legalization. Yeah. Well, we had we had a big step in the right direction, although we're not in the clear yet when it comes to the Florida ballot. But we did have a big step in, in the right direction. And, and like you said, Pam, I think Florida is really interesting to discuss. And so if we just think about the timing here, it's really funny. You know, on November 7th, we had the Ohio election. On November 8th, we had, you know, as, as you mentioned, the oral arguments in Florida um, about a potential 2024 ballot initiative. And so basically what happened is we got a bunch of signatures, right, for this initiative to legalize adult use cannabis. On November 8th, the Florida Supreme Court reviewed it. And and I, I think what's, what's worth mentioning here is, again, I, I mentioned the two issues in Ohio, which are abortion rights and cannabis legalization. The same thing is happening in Florida. They're having a debate in Florida about whether those two issues should be on the ballot. Right. Um, and so. Uh, you know, people are optimistic that those issues will end up on the ballot, but it's just telling about, you know, what the, the issues that are being consistently debated in this country in different states. Um, but but yes, the oral arguments were held today. I mean, I think these things are always unpredictable and we all know courts can be political, but um, most observers of the oral arguments today feel that the, the initiative proponents had a very strong case and that this initiative was written in a way that was constitutional because it just touched on a single subject. Uh, it'll be a few months before we know for sure. You know, it'll be sometime in Q1 of 2024, whether we know whether it's made the ballot. But again, people are feeling pretty confident. And, you know, just a, a few things to note here. Um, if Florida were to go adult use in November 2024, um, you know, what we just discussed in Ohio is historic. And Florida, I think, would be equally historic and would really be, you know, the, the capstone to the end of prohibition. And for, for all the reasons that Florida would be the first state in the Deep South to go adult use, it's a state of 20 million people. It's a state that borders several other, you know, deep south states such as Georgia, right, um, and, and Alabama and, and Mississippi and Louisiana. So it would really be transformative. I think the things just worth noting here are that in Florida, a 60 percent vote is required to pass a ballot measure. It's the only state in America that has that high threshold. We just talked about how Ohio is 57. So 60 is not going to be easy in Florida. And it is very expensive to run a statewide uh, campaign in Florida during a presidential year. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how the, the cannabis proponents get together the $100 million that they're going to need to, to run that campaign. So I'm Pam Schmiel with the New York Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. And finally tonight, as much as I like to avoid talking politics altogether, the issue of cannabis legalization now has become part of the news banter on the campaign trail. That's right, this week the state of Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody is arguing against the ballot initiative that hundreds of thousands of Floridians signed to allow adult use sales in that state. Now, they already have a vibrant medical program with over 800 
100,000 patients registered. But once again, our elected or appointed government officials continue to treat this plant like a necessary evil. The governor there, Ron DeSantis, who happens to be running for president in the Republican Party, is totally against legalization and probably does not want that forced on him by the people who elected him in the first place. So what does he do? He has increased the license renewal fee for the medical cannabis licensees in that state. Now, up until this year, that biannual renewal fee for any already existing licensee to renew was $60,000. That's for the licensees, not the people. Now, it's been arbitrarily inflated to get this, $1.33 million. So the state, I guess, just isn't happy with the amount of taxes cannabis sales have driven. And now, of course, they just want to stick it to the companies who are operating medical facilities in that state. This is exactly what happened in 1937 when the Cannabis Tax Act basically prohibited the use and access to cannabis as a medicine by taking it out of society. That's Weed Talk News for this week. Elena Pinto will be back next week for Karen Black. I'm PCM founder Jimmy Young. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. I'm marketing these, and yes, I'm pitching to you. That's Steve Levine, the inventor and principal behind the One Hit Wonder. And this little efficient device is getting rave reviews. And there's more uses than just a One Hit Wonder. The One Hit Wonder, you get a 50 milligram hit. So if you used a One Hitter or dugout before, you know the challenges. Steve's One Hit Wonder is easy to clean, use, and enjoy. Standard One Hitters do not work. We're afraid to inhale. The One Hit Wonder has a built-in ash catcher. So inhale like it's your last breath. Suck the ash right through. Get it at OneHitWonder.com. We are Pro Cannabis Media.